everybody thanks for listening again if you haven't yet go hit subscribe hit the bell for your notifications comment like and share for us if you can rate the podcast please do wherever you listen to it we love you and we want to keep growing so help us out tell your friends love you hey everybody welcome back to the podcast uh, i'm your host big mark um and you know i wanted just to talk to you this week i got you just me and you we're sitting down and uh, I want to talk about psychedelics. You know, it's part of the show. We've talked about it a lot with a lot of the guests. And, you know, I wanted to I wanted to finally kind of just talk to you guys about it and, you know, really set the record straight about everything. First things first, obviously a lot of these drugs are illegal. Um, I'm not condoning going out and doing it. There's a lot of therapeutic uh, methods. There's ways you can get there's a lot of therapists out there that are doing more uh, legal guided psychedelic sessions, um, which is awesome, but that's a little bit more of a new thing. And um, I suggest before you do anything, really do your research and all this stuff. But I just wanted to kind of share share my own journey. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, a little bit more of an intro to things. And then, you know, if you're ever to do them, Maybe some pointers that I've heard and learned learned in the past. So psychedelics, it's from the Greek psyche, mind, and delos to make visible and reveal. So reveal is part of the mind. Um, they're substances that induce a heightened state of consciousness characterized by hyperconnected brain state. So there's sometimes, if you've ever seen, there's fMRIs, functional uh, MRI machine um, images that show the brain in different states um, when it's in there. And, and a lot of times when they put a, a patient or a subject in there that's, that is under the influence of psychedelics, their brain is just lit up like a Christmas tree. And that's basically what that's saying is that all of those interconnected parts of the brain that seemingly would not be connected when psychedelics are introduced, those, those parts just completely, um, engage and they completely activate way more so than normal um some of the best known psychedelics are psilocybin obviously found in in magic mushrooms uh dmt which is found in um uh i guess a southern american brew called ayahuasca uh and mescaline which is found in the peyote and the san pedro cacti uh lsd or acid and 2cb which is kind of like um kind of like MDMA or ecstasy, but it's a little different form because MDMA is actually more of a stimulant uh, than, a, than a classic uh, psychedelic. Those ones those ones that I just listed, those are kind of more the top, your top ones that are either just more popular, more studied, or those are just the ones that in history have been used, uh, used a lot more. Um, in my journey, you know, when I've mentioned before, it's kind of funny that when I, when I was playing football before and during the season, uh, you weren't allowed to, to take a lot of substances, obviously performance enhancing ones. And, and then also like you couldn't smoke any weed. 
Um, and then actually, funny enough, if you were drunk during competition and they tested you and you got caught and you were drunk, then you'd actually get in trouble too. Which, hey, that's cool. Hopefully no one's really dr- getting drunk. But, um, but funny enough, that actually led me to doing my first uh, mushroom, mushroom dose too because you like because we weren't allowed to smoke weed we we're kind of like hey well what are we gonna do mm-hmm. so i tried mushrooms and more or less um just felt a connection right away um i didn't have any really ill effects didn't do too much i did three and a half grams which is you know pretty solid dose for most people now i'm obviously i am who i am six seven 320 pounds big guy have more body mass so when i'm taking certain substances obviously i have that in mind so again not condoning any of this but if you're taking any of my advice at all um just keep that in mind too but um you know a a, a, a terrence mckenna who's who I'll, who I'll talk about in a second he describes something called uh, the the hero's dose which is supposed to, and that's of psilocybin mushrooms, five gram, five dried grams, and that's supposed to take you on a on a major journey. That'll introduce you something to something called ego dissolution, which hopefully we'll get to in a little bit as well. Um, but um, more or less, the way I kind of so from then of my my first experience with mushrooms, it just kind of opened my eyes to, you know really a lot of the stereotypes that go along with psychedelics aren't necessarily true a lot of it is unfortunately inflated by the media and you know one of my one of my favorite comedians name's bill hicks i actually started getting into him um more so after i after i tried mushrooms but that i think was just a coincidence but he happens to talk about it a lot and he he talks a lot about how mainstream media tends to overinflate the dangers in the world period kind of makes you think that as soon as you step out of your house something bad's going to happen but really most of the time you know it's not as bad as as it may seem and the best example of that is is the way that they convey psychedelics any drug use apart from alcohol and tobacco but any drug use is usually pretty poorly conveyed in the media as of very recently things are starting to get a little bit more popular especially like canadian style media but more or less historically, they've just been, you know, the classic story in this, what Bill Hicks says too, is a, you know, classic story. Man tried too much LSD, jumped off his roof because he thought he could fly. And Bill Hicks said, well, why didn't you try jumping off from the ground? <laughs> right? Like, you know, you don't see ducks taking the elevator to the Empire State Building to go and fly, right? So anyway, Bill Hicks goes on to it and he's a little bit more harsh, but he's kind of you know he's someone who's going to really he's he was one of those comedians who could really kind of cut to the quick and kind of smash your own potentially preconceived notions and that's what was that's what was the the humor that's where the humor actually came from was him just opening your mind to these new new experiences so i ended up watching a documentary about him really really good documentary called the story bill hicks or the bill hicks story whoops anyway super cool um talks about his whole life he was a comedian uh in austin texas i think austin but super young he was like one of the youngest comedians to ever really start doing it uh, you think he was like 19 like working at the comedy store in la which is amazing Crazy. um but um 
anyway, so um, he, I, I guess later in life, he wasn't really a big drink. He, he didn't drink at all. He was a young guy. He was obviously underage being 19 uh, in the States, but he just wasn't, wasn't into that. But uh, he tried magic mushrooms one day. And I think in like southern states like it's a little bit more popular like kind of grow everywhere where in canada it's obviously a little bit harder to find um but like literally the, you can like like theo vaughn always talks about like you can just go out into a field and there's going to be some growing somewhere so i think you know being from a southern state he could probably just get a hold of them so he tries them and and just kind of kind of fell in love with them and in the documentary really talks about how they made him feel and he did it with some of his friends and they would do them relatively regularly but this one time where he brought everyone together and these are like his childhood friends and they and they took these and it was during this harmonic convergence which i guess was some astro uh, astrological or um yeah ast uh, anyway some type of event that was happening with with planetary alignments or something and they did five dried grams, which Terrence, he had heard Terrence McKenna talk about or read. Um, but he did the five dry grams and they experienced like this har like harmony and unity together. Um, where actually when they first, I think when they first discovered either DMT or another, I think it was DMT, they wanted to call it harmine or like telepathy in. but anyway some of these psychedelics tend to have this effect where you feel like this interconnectivity with either the people that you're doing with or honestly all the people in the universe and there was one time uh, on on our last podcast um with christian Aubin, we were talking about um that collective unconscious and that morphic resonance and i think when you're when you're taking these substances it kind of helps you tap into that a little bit better because, um, for well, we'll get into that a little bit later. But essentially, Bill Hicks then turned me on to Terrence McKenna with this whole... Because I thought, five dry grams, Terrence McKenna. Who's this Terrence McKenna guy? So I start looking into him. And basically, he is more or less the father of like modern psychonautics, if we want to call it that. So essentially, psychonautics would be like, like if aeronautics or astronautics, like if you're an astronaut you are going into space and you're going to explore space. And basically, a, a psychonaut, you're exploring inner space because outer and inner space are infinite, but obviously outer space is a little bit more tangible, a little bit more physical, where the inner space can be so abstract until you start introducing these substances, funny enough. Because really, you know, all the songs I've heard growing up, and this is, this is another, I think this is another Bill Hicks, but he's like, if you're, if you're against drugs go to your albums and delete all of them throw them all out because all those all those um musicians that wrote all that music were real high on drugs that's his line and it's beautiful and it's true because but i never really got it too much like obviously being a kid like getting into classic rock and listening to freaking pink floyd like in grade eight you don't really know what's happening but those thoughts kind of i guess stay with you and, you know, when you do it, it's re it's reaffirming, you know, it's potentially confirmation bias, but you just, all that, all that stuff, all that more or less abstract stuff that you'd think like, oh, that's just, you know, 
you know, that's just the artist's mind. That's just the artist's expression. You know, they're, they're just taking something. A lot of times there's certain aspects in art and film and music that are represented and they are, they do come from this other kind of realm, if you want to call it. So there's another word for psychedelics called entheogens. And basically they're psycho psychoactive substances, typically a plant origin that are used in a religious ritual or spiritual, spiritual context. And that's essentially what that all hits on is that whether it's the basis of religion or just that whole inner, inner space that exists, the psychedelics can kind of take you to that place. Um, a really, really good book. If you're, if you're for, if you don't really know much about psychedelics at all, excellent book is, uh, by Michael Pollan is called how to change your mind. Um, or what, what the new science uh, of psychedelics teaches us about consciousness, dying, addiction, depression, and transcendence. And basically Michael Pollan used to be, um, uh, like a food writer. He, he wrote a lot of books about food and origins of food and the anthropology and also just general food and really cool books too. Uh, one called the botany of desire and this other one that he basically talks about like that there was like four main foods that like kind of, or like plants that we, um, co-evolved with. And it was like the potato, the rose, the apple and cannabis, I think, I don't know if it, the rose is one of them, but anyway, or tulip, but anyway, these, um, these plants actually co-evolved with us. And as much as we influenced their evolution, they also influenced ours. Very interesting book. I digress. I'll go into that another time. Um, but the coolest thing about Michael Pollan is that he really likes to live his con like his content. So he likes to, whatever he's, his subject matter is, he, he involves himself in it. So, you know, obviously with food and stuff, pretty low risk involvement, you know, you get to eat, eat some food. Some of it might not taste good. Some of it might make you sick. Hopefully not a lot of it can kill you. Um, but when he wrote this book about psychedelics, he wanted to try all the psychedelics that he was going to write about. So I think he did, uh, MDMA again, not a classic psychedelic, but it's kind of becoming more popular because it's being used in a lot of, um, therapeutic treatments for depression and anxiety. Um, but I think he, and he smoked, he had smoked cannabis in the past. Uh, he did LSD and psilocybin, I believe. And these were all like, uh, guided by a therapist, by, by a practitioner who's going to be there and, and walk him through this whole process. And it was very, very, very safe. And again, I, I, I will, uh, um, I will reiterate that when you, when you do this, make sure you've done your research, make sure you're doing it in a safe setting. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but make sure you're comfortable and don't ever do anything you don't ever want to, especially, especially psychedelics for sure. But again, look into Bill Hicks, look into Terrence McKenna a little bit more because both of those guys really opened my eyes to, you know, that a lot of the information that's out there about psychedelics isn't necessarily 100% accurate. And it's also written and created by people who probably have never experienced it themselves. And a lot of these psychedelics got added to this sweeping psychedelic act uh, like back in the 60s and 50s even. And anyway... I might be wrong on that, but it was completely brought on on this war on drugs that we all know has become pretty futile 
and um, there's a lot more things that we can be that we can be um, that we can be focusing on and trying to help people. And unfortunately, um, a lot of this because of this stuff has been made illegal. It's also been hard to research a lot of this stuff, so we actually don't know its true effects. That's just gone on the fact that things are illegal. And that usually conflates into some kind of propaganda or some type of misinformation that, you know, the telephone game of life, as things get passed down from person to person, things just get mixed up. And, you know, that's kind of the way things go. Uh, a little bit more history on the psychedelics. They've been used for thousands of years by, by many, many cultures around the world. Um, you know, they, they found that in ancient Egypt, they were... Um, preserving psilocybin mushrooms in honey and actually if they left that honey too long it would start to ferment so a lot of the early alcoholic beverages also had like mushrooms in it but then there was like a bavarian beer act or something in like the early early you know 14th century or something like that totally making this up sorry about the dates folks <laughs> but that's how we rock on the big mar podcast but at, at a certain point, they, they said, no, you can't put mushrooms in beer. So for a long time, beer and magic mushrooms were like this big, huge thing because it kind of started from that from that uh, honey, the mead that potentially had this more psychoactive kind of process uh, feeling to it. It wasn't just alcohol. It had it was a it was a psychoactive drug, really. And, you know, um, the, the ayahuasca in South America this this is we're starting to talk a little bit more modern obviously but essentially these these um civilizations in the jungle found two different plants that do not grow together so ayahuasca essentially is um is a drinkable form of dmt or dimethyltryptamine which is actually an endogenous chemical in the human brain but it's found in in thousands of plants um but uh, our bodies have this special enzyme in our gut called uh, monoamine monoamine inhibitor monoamine oxidase inhibitor so basically what that means this enzyme doesn't allow us to to break down monoamine oxidase which essentially um, breaks down or that allows us to pass DMT through the blood brain or like we can absorb it through our gut and then it will pass through the blood brain barrier, which means it's going to be psychoactive. Um, but, um, essentially these, this root and this bark of this tree that don't grow anywhere close to each other. Shamans in these ancient cultures found a way to put this together, basically make this brew. And when you drink it, this one, the, the root has the monoamine oxidase inhibitor, and the plant and the bark has the DMT might have mixed those up as well. Hey, I'm being honest with you guys because it's just me and you here. I'm just going to be talking with you, you know, but the DMT and the monoamine oxidase inhibitor allows the DMT to cross, cross through that and, and be absorbed. And essentially it just is this extreme, um, major visual and, and it's considered one of the more intense psychedelics that, that do exist. Um, and you're going to see a lot of visuals and, and, and have intense um, spiritual awakenings and a lot of, you know, um, a lot of people have gone down, done ayahuasca to help them with certain other addictive uh, behaviors 
or or certain problems and it has helped them major and shown them different things and it can be very emotional and it can be very uh, intense experience but I think if you're doing it with the right people and you have the right people to help you reintegrate which is something we'll talk about in a sec super important um, you can you can get through those things and have a really healthy and healing experience for sure um, so uh, North American Indians also use peyote, that the cactus I, I had mentioned before, which contained mescaline, which is another one of these substances. So a lot of these substances uh, are um, are five MT2 inhibitors, which mean or an agonist receptor agonist. So five, five, yeah, sorry, five HT2 agonist. So basically, in your in your brain, you have certain receptors that um that they're the ones that interact with serotonin so basically being an agonist it it um most psychedelics classic psychedelics they um increase the activity of serotonin in your brain so essentially they'll go on to that 5-ht2 5-ht2 inhibitor or sorry 5-ht2 receptor and they basically look like serotonin and when they when they uh it's like a key in a lock scenario when they when they bind with this in, uh, receptor, it then propagates down that neuron and it 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 uh, activates. So a lot of those neurons exist in something that's called the default mode network in the brain. The default mode network is essentially so when you're like driving down, you're kind of daydreaming, thinking about things, time traveling, and so thinking about something in the past, thinking about something in the future, essentially that is the default mode network in your brain set up different structures in your frontal cortex but um essentially what researchers have found is that psychedelics shut down this part of the brain so default mode network is responsible for a lot of self-criticism self-criticism self-critique so what most researchers are thinking is that this is the seat of the of what we like to call the ego so it's essentially the physical proof that we have this part in our brain and they think evolutionary wise it it exists for survival it, it helps us you know the theory of mind you know make sure we try and understand what other people are thinking basically if i anytime i say this i probably said it before the ego is what you think other people think you are <laughs> so it's you can't validate that it's really tough but it's something that's going to guide you through life However, a lot of people let this let this run amok, and they're always in that de that default mode network is always turned on, and they're always self critical and they're always worried about things and they're maybe a little bit paranoid, but that's where that 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 whole feeling resides in in the brain, and psychedelics have been found to shut that down. So, um, that that's basically the whole ego dissolution aspect of of psychedelics. So certain certain psychedelics and certain doses will essentially essentially turn this default mode network off and give you a feeling of like selflessness essentially so that's what i mean where you kind of feel like you're more at one with the whole um with the collective unconscious and the whole um morphic resonance that's kind of that feeling of oneness starts to exist and again that the default mode network exists for survival but we're starting and our culture exists that we don't need to be constantly 
in in fear and in this state of paranoia all the time and i think that that's what we're going to slowly if if our culture and and species continues to evolve is that we'll start to highlight that more and start to understand that you know we're not in this constant danger and a lot of the dangers and anxieties and issues that we have in our lives are created just by ourselves and even the you know even problems that that we have in the economy and other things they they are man-made creations but because the ego drives us so much um we forget that that's actually what's what what's going on that we forget that there's so much more to life and that there's love in the universe and in between people in between people too and unfortunately the ego can drive us to do a lot of things that are aren't so nice to others <laughs> let's just put it that way right so um not to say that we should exist without the ego but i think and what i found through through helps with through help with psychedelics is that the ego is there to guide you but you need to do the proper work to make sure that it doesn't take over your whole life because i think a lot of people do exist out there that are that are completely driven by the ego and you know it's kind of a shame for sure um so another one so a little bit more information on recent studies so there was a a study at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine uh 80% of those who received psilocybin said it was one of the five most meaningful experiences of their lives 50% said it was the single most meaningful experience so again like when you're doing these things like it's it's not just uh it's not pedestrian it's not just a walk in the park you know it's going to be it's going to be meaningful and it's going to be intense. And, and as we all know, most of the, most of the things that mean a lot to us are really intense. And I think that people can shy away from that. And they're worried that, you know, there's going to be potential repressed memories or certain traumas that, that might crop up. But again, when you're, when you're surrounded by, by a therapist or a proper guide, if some of that stuff does crop up, um, you, you can have someone there, um, to talk you through it and and again be aware that these that that there are that those things can come up and know who you're know who you're experimenting with because a lot of those those feelings of interconnectivity you start to also share that kind of emotional feeling too and and if you're not surrounded by the proper people um, sometimes that state can be affected by other people's emotional states and again that's a that's a lesson that can be learned in life too is that as much as we look at our at our emotions that we feel we want to own them um, a lot of those feelings also come from outside and they're not really just us it's also um, just the entire the entire uh, universe maybe but that collective unconscious ebbs and flows through certain you know things happen in the world and there's still wars that happen but then there's still major joys and those things usually end up balancing themselves out but some days things may be a little bit more joyful and then some things are some days may be a little bit more sorrowful but that's the thing is that what what that starts to open open your eyes to is that sensitivity to those feelings really comes from from trying the psychedelics for sure because it amplifies that feeling for sure for sure and like i mentioned in the, in the meditation podcast too you know you can get there through breathing work and holotropic breathing and transcendental meditation you can get to there it's just going to take a lot of practice and it's going to take a lot of time 
And not to say that this is a shortcut or the easy, because the shortcut implies that it's easy, right? But it's going to get you to certain places a lot faster and a lot more efficient. But unfortunately, there's people out there and maybe you're too young or you don't understand and you're trying these things and you're trying to party with them and you're doing all these things and then you have a bad trip and you're like, well, what'd you think was going to happen again? You're, you're not taking this, this thing seriously that for thousands of years, our species have dealt, have dealt with and treated properly and treated as a sacrament really. Now there's some, some thoughts this John Marco Allegro. He was a, a dead sea scroll, um, uh, like researcher, I guess. What do you want to? What 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 could I call that? Scholar. Sorry, Dead Sea Scroll scholar. Jesus. And uh, hey, funny enough. Anyway, he uh, he was one of the first people to look at like the Dead Sea Scrolls when they found them, and and the Dead Sea Scrolls for those that don't know were basically the they're the earliest known writings of the Old Testament. Or the New Testament, sorry, the New Testament. So about Jesus, and essentially, um, what they found is that a lot of the, or what John Marco Allegro says. So he's pretty controversial in this. He's one of the only people that is really saying this, but um, that essentially Christianity is um, like a, a fertility cult that uses mushrooms in this in the ceremony. So. Um, very, again, very controversial, but it talks about how the body of Christ is a pe- is potentially um, the mushroom, where you're actually consuming that, and then maybe the the whole mass ceremony was a part of this this large uh, mushroom ritual, um, and then you know the halos in in a lot of uh, of Christian um, uh, Christian artwork has little lines in them that almost look like gills of a, of a mushroom. Um, even in the Adam and Eve story, they think that the, the tree of life potentially was a mushroom. Again, you can look into this a little bit more, but ancient history s- does speak a lot to us using these in, in, in a much more sacramental, much more, you could say quasi-religious, but spiritual way. And I think, and, and again, it has to be that it has to be that right mindset. It has to be um, that you are are taking it seriously and respecting these plants and and medicines and even even the like LSD, the more um, uh, synthetic uh, psychedelics that do exist. There still has to be that respect because it's a humbling experience. There's going to be humbling experiences, but you know even more even more in our history too, Amanita muscara, um, muscaria, which is the classic magic mushroom. You know, it's like the, the emoji that's like red with like white dots on it. So that's like the classic, the classic mushroom we kind of thing. Like, why is that such a big part of our culture? Like why even is there an emoji, Mario. Uh, right? Mario. <laughs> What's funny. Mario eats a mushroom and he grows like it's wild anyway. Um, so, uh, when, long history of use with amanita muscaria uh some 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 research shows that uh vikings were were would eat it and they'd eat it before battle 
um, and they go out, uh, the berserkers that were these guys would just go wild and fight. Yeah, that's what they would eat. They'd eat all these mushrooms before battle. And Amanita muscaria is a little bit different because it's a, it's not necessarily a 5-HT2 agonist. It's a, some acetylcholine or something. It's another uh, neurotransmitter that it, it in, that it is involved with in the brain. So it's not kind of your classic visuals um and and more introspection uh, that you'd normally get from a psilocybin mushroom but it's still a psychoactive uh, uh mushroom and uh they would when the vikings would eat would eat this mushroom and then they would go in obviously vikings more or less uh originated from norway like modern norway and sweden and scandinavian area um, that when they would go and take a pee after eating these mushrooms, that they would almost get bowled over by reindeer. Reindeer loved these, loved eating these mushrooms and even the urine because once you eat it, your body actually excretes it in a more concentrate, excretes, excretes the, um, the active ingredient in a much more uh, concentrated form. Don't ask me, but that's how it works. Um, and funny enough, they think that the Amanita muscaria is also linked to Santa Claus, believe it or not. So Amanita muscaria obviously being red and white. Santa Claus's gear is all red and white. Um, Amanita muscaria really only grow in northern climates under pine trees. They freaking look like Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. Now, when people would pick them, you have to dry them first before you eat them. And you put them in the tree... And they'd be like these little red things in a tree, like freaking ornaments, right. right? Reindeer love it, and it's tripping, makes them high, aka makes them fly, right? <laughs> right? And what they think is the shamans in these small Scandinavian towns, when there was so much freaking snow, the front door, you couldn't get through the front door, but you could go through the chimney with a sack of mushrooms... Anyway, that's what they think about Santa uh, and the Amanita muscaria mushroom. Um, pretty wild for sure. Um, but again, this is this is kind of that's that's how deep how deep in our history that that we have have dealt. And there's only I think there's only one culture in the entire world that doesn't use any psychedelic drugs like normally and it's like the Inuit people because nothing grows up there for them to eat but every other culture in in the world they have some type of psychoactive plant um that they use which is really really interesting um another more recent uh actually not all that recent now in a 2010 study published in top medical journal the Lancet uh rated LSD and magic mushrooms among the safest of 19 commonly used psychedelic substances, 12 times safer than alcohol, four times safer than tobacco. So again, you know, media has probably overhyped the dangers and that's probably another podcast, but you go into many reasons why. And again, it was probably in most of it's linked to the fact that it was, um, all these drugs were kind of swept up in this, in this, uh, psychedelic act that that mostly was attacking marijuana at the time like cannabis at the time because this will william randolph Hearst guy 
who was a paper magnet, big, huge, this is a long story, but, but, um, he basically ran like paper, like newspaper production in all America. And at the time this decorticator machine came out and it was going to make hemp paper a lot easier to produce. And he wanted to have the, the whole lockdown, this, this Hearst dude wanted to have the whole lockdown and everything. So he basically, worked with Harry Anslinger who was working with the I think the freaking FBI or something like that I can't remember at the time and they created this act to outlaw marijuana and then just threw all these other substances in there just because they're like well might as well and they missed DMT which is like arguably the most powerful one so like before you could buy like a freaking jug of it and it was totally legal blah 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 I think now it's it's been put on the substance list but um but yeah, again, you know, these are these are things that are are a lot safer than we think. They've been with our species for a lot longer than we think. Um, and again, you know, if you're ever if you're ever called to do it, if you ever feel like you've done the, your research and you've done it, again, I'm not saying go out and do it. But if you ever find yourself there, remember set and settings, your mindset, and the setting of where you are. So where you are doing the trip taking the substance because your environment is going to really affect things and a lot of people don't take that into account and that's when you can have bad trips or challenging trips and also remember if things do start going dark that it's okay and it's not going to last forever and make sure you have someone with you to reassure you that because that's where people mostly get get caught up is they think it's going to last forever and certain certain drugs like like LSD is going to probably last about 12 hours. So it's a long time, but it also dilates time. So it makes time seem like it's going to last way longer. And again, you just, you just want to have someone that's able to reassure you or just again, through your research and through your own self searching before you even touch any of these, just, just know that it's going to be that if you ever do, witness anything or encounter anything that is challenging just know that there is something there to learn from that and a lot of people just look at these these bad trips and they say man that sucks and that drug is bad because it made me feel that way and it's like if you look at it like maybe it's a cleansing aspect and maybe you've got that out of the way or maybe you're revisiting certain parts of your mind and thoughts or feelings that you've not wanted to deal with for a long time I think that that's important because it can hold you back so much. These thoughts and these feelings that just you, you, you fight and you spend so much energy trying to repress and trying to push down that. And that's probably part of that default mode network again. But as soon as you shut that off and you let those things come to the surface, it can be very refreshing. It can be very, um, what's that? Rewarding a hundred percent, but it, it's just, it, it allows you to, to kind of reset and you know one of the best analogies um i ever heard about psychedelic use is that imagine your mind is like a ski hill and there's all these different runs and it's at the end of the day and when you go down you can't kind of you can't help but kind of go into these certain grooves that already exist right and those are our thoughts and those are our thing those are the habits and things that we do habitually and as much as we think that that's just part of our daily routine or that's just our own choices a lot of those things are just because it's kind of we're going through those motions and what psychedelics can do is it's kind of like you know 
an avalanche coming down and, and completely covering the, the hill in, in brand new, perfectly white snow. And it allows you to then go back in those grooves if you want or go down a whole new new pathway. And that was one thing I mentioned earlier that's super important too is integration. So set and setting, utmost importance. Int- reintegration or integration is super important as well. So taking what happened during your trip as best you can because some substances can be a little bit harder to remember everything. But taking those things you learned or those challenges that you encountered and reintegrating that into your life and, and realizing that, okay, this is awesome. And, you know, sometimes you might experience like a feeling where you're, where you don't really know how you're going to kind of re how, how you could possibly integrate that into your life, but it's going to take time and it's going to take conversations with hopefully the people that you did it with. And it's going to be in, and you have to be open and you have to be, you know, you got, you want to be, you want to be honest because this is an honest, very, very honest venture and it's going to be humbling and it's going to be something that, that it's very, takes a lot of bravery and it's not, it's not easy to do, but when you do do it, you know, you can learn, learn so much and it does apply to life and it really, you know, it does help with so many aspects and you know when you learn when you learn the way broadly you see it in everything so when you take these and you expand your your mind and your consciousness to these utter utter depths and utter lengths um that you never would have ever fathomed and all these realms and different potential dimensions that you can that you experience all you know, all reside right, right here in front of us, even just right here between our ears, because at the very least, you know, you can think, oh, this is all just chemical reactions in my brain. And none of this is spiritual. And all this stuff is just because I've taken a drug. But all you have to do is just take a small little substance, like LSD comes on a little piece of paper. All you have to do is that and your whole reality is changed and your perspective and the way you hear music and the way you sense certain things and the way you think about things is all of a sudden changed in a, in a fashion that you don't even really if you reach full ego dissolution it's essentially an out of body experience and you know that's all it takes is one little tiny substance to me that's enough to say psychedelics are have serious serious potential to really teach us something about the reality that we live in. And we can put so much, when we, don't, when we don't have these experiences, we can put so much stock into this reality that we just sense with our five senses that aren't all that accurate. We, we perceive a very small slice of what physics and science tells us is this large spectrum, whether it's the visual spectrum or the auditory spectrum. A humans, humans' ability to actually experience the world is extremely limited but when you introduce these psychedelics you can expand that that experience and i think that that is 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 essential in not only not only for your for your own experience as as a human being but the way you interact with others and the way you can understand people 
is only gonna be is only gonna be heightened. It's only gonna be magnified by doing this because it does create by doing psychedelics because it does create this feeling of unity and this feeling of oneness that is that that can only truly be experienced. And I think that the more people that do experience that, it can only lead to a more empathetic life and really understand that that we can get past this and as bill hicks says we can explore inner and outer space together as one and if you choose love over fear every time we'll we'll only take our our steps in that direction and again be careful like i said i love you guys i want you guys to be safe but i want to talk talk to you about this because this is something that is will will come up again and again on this podcast and you know if you guys are listening still i'm sure you guys are interested in it too keep doing your research out there anything that you guys ever want to talk about like i said hit me up on the email dm us on instagram on twitter we're always here to listen to you we'll always get back to you and again tell your friends because we want to spread the word about the big mar podcast and everything that we talk about because it's only going to inch our our experiences towards love a little bit more and that's what it's all about so thanks for listening and uh we'll talk to you soon cheers